0: It's been a few weeks since I've preached. And so what I want to do, I first want you to open your Bibles and we're going to read the two verses that I'm going to preach on today. And then I want to take another moment just to spend it in prayer. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 are the two verses. And here is what we read in the Word of God. Now, after John was arrested... Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. With that resting on our minds, let's give ourselves in prayer. Father, this morning we want to look into your word. And, Lord, we want to hear from you. We want to know, Lord, what your will and your way is for us. But, Lord, in order to know that, we first want to see and behold your splendor and your glory. We want to see your beauty, Lord. And so this morning, Father, I pray that you would use the words of a weak man who is called to a task that is an impossible task, that you would use the words to bring glory to your name and that you might call people to yourself through the preaching of your word. It's not something we can do, Lord, to save people, but you do it all together, Lord, and you do it well. Father, we're we're broken people, we're sinful people. And we need you. We come to you not because we have anything to offer you, but because everything that you are to us and for us and through us. Father, we live in the world that is so broken. Lord, when we look at everything that's going on around us, Lord, it becomes painfully obvious. The destruction that sin brings. It becomes painfully obvious what happens. Lord, when we suppress the truth in unrighteousness, oh Lord, how we need you. And so Lord, for that reason, I ask this morning that you would show us your beauty, Lord, that you would show us our need of you and for you. Speak to us, Lord, through your Holy Spirit. Open our eyes so that we may see. Open our ears that we may hear. Give us faith, Lord, to believe that all our hope and all our trust will be placed in Jesus Christ. Not in the things of this world, not in a political team, not in a country, Lord, not in a military or any other person, save Jesus Christ and him alone. And so, Lord, this morning, we are weak, and we recognize that, and you are our strength. And so, Father, would you show us Jesus this morning? In his name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Now, hold your Bibles open there. We're not going to turn anywhere else this morning, but I want you to take a moment, and I want you to think back in your mind and for some of you, you'll have to go back further, and for some, you won't have to go far at all. But I want you to think of a time when you were waiting for something that just couldn't come soon enough. Maybe whatever this thing is that you were waiting for, you were so desperate for that situation to happen or to come that it affected actually the way you lived. And in fact, whenever you would talk with people, it would always come up even if you didn't intend for it to come up, but you're just so consumed with the anticipation, your eager expectation for this to come. Maybe it's when you were a kid and you were waiting for Christmas to come, or for your birthday to come, or maybe it's The first time you were expecting your first child, if you've had that experience, and you're just filled with this eager expectation for the baby to come already, or for first-time grandparents who seem to be filled with even more anticipation than the parents themselves, right? Or the Maple Leafs getting past the first round of the playoffs, something like that. But seriously, on a more serious note, citizens waiting, citizens of a country waiting to be led by leaders who are people of integrity, truth, and justice. Or perhaps waiting for a loved one to come home who's been serving in the military and has been out in the battlefield. You're filled with this eager longing for them to come home and you just can't wait for it to happen. Or what about you? those who are in Ukraine right now who are desperately longing to hear that the war of Russia is now over and it's come to an end? What is it that comes to your mind? What is it that, you, that, that you're looking towards? You're like, I just can't wait for this to come. It just, and it just consumes you. What is it in your own life? See, the reason that, that we have these eager expectations is because whatever it is that we're looking for, whatever it is we're waiting for, to come, we know that it's going to make life better for us. Now, with that in mind, do you realize that this same longing, the same eager expectation that we're familiar with can be traced throughout the entire Bible, from Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation? The entire Bible is filled with this eager longing and expectation for things to be different. And boy, don't we... Don't we want to see things to be different right now? When we just look at the past few weeks of the things that have happened, when we look at the the death and destruction and the brokenness that sin has brought into the world, and it makes us long for something different when we see that kids are shot dead in school, when churchgoers are gunned down in church when we as a society applaud our sins, when we worship at the idol or the altar of self and suppress the truth in unrighteousness, when we see these things, it causes us to begin to look all the more with an intense desperation for something or more particularly, someone to come and bring change. And that same tension is found throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible. And the Bible then reveals the one who will fulfill those eager expectations. And we know that it's none other than Jesus Christ himself. Now, Before my wife and I left for Alberta, we had begun to walk through the gospel of Mark. And we've been asking the question, who do you say that Jesus is? It's a question we must all ask ourselves. Mark's been writing to people in Rome where the empire doesn't care who you worship or how many gods you worship as long as it includes Empire, or sorry, not empire, but emperor worship. And the issue was that those who were in Rome that believed in Jesus to be the son of God refused to give in to emperor worship. Because you see, there is only one Lord. His name is Jesus Christ. There is only one true son of God. And his name is Jesus Christ. And so what would happen is this put those who believed in Jesus, who then denied and refused to give in to emperor worship, it put them under extreme pressure and made life really hard for them. And so when Mark writes this gospel... From the very opening line in verse 1, we see that Mark lays out, or we see these longings and these eager expectations, and he points them towards Jesus when he says in verse 1, the beginning of the gospel, and you remember the word gospel means good news of Jesus Christ. You remember that the word Christ means chosen or anointed one. Jesus, right? The good news of Jesus, the one who had been chosen to set his people free, right? The son of God, it says, right? So he makes it clear, look, your expectations and your longings are all met in Jesus. He says it all in verse 1 in his opening line. And then he goes on and he lays out in verses 2 through 8, that Jesus is the promised king. And he does it by pointing out that he would be preceded by someone who would prepare the way for him, someone who would be living in the wilderness, who would come proclaiming, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And what Mark lays out for us here is that John the baptizer is that man he was the one who had come to prepare the way for King Jesus. He came preparing the way by proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And furthermore, he also came declaring in verses 7 and 8, he says, After me comes one who is mightier than I. Whose straps of sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized with I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so He's He's pointing to him, I'm not it, but He's coming, He's coming. All that longing, eager expectation that you had for this coming king. He's here, He's coming, the time is upon us. And then in verses 9 through 13 we saw and we witnessed an event that validated Jesus Christ to be that promised one, that promised one that God would send this king. And we see this incredible event happen when John baptized Jesus and Jesus came up out of the water that the heavens were torn open. Let that grip you for a moment. And then as the heavens were torn open, the Spirit came down in the form of a dove and landed upon Jesus. And then God the Father spoke out of the heavens, saying, This is my, or you are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. And if that isn't enough, the Spirit then drove him into the wilderness where he was then tempted by Satan for 40 days, after which he was then ministered to by angels. You see, what Mark is pointing out here is, this is the one you've been waiting for with longing and eager expectation. And by sharing this, he's pointing out to us that no other person before or since Jesus' coming Received this sort of response of of this kind of magnitude, which verified him to be the son of God, the promised one. And then that brings us to verses 14 and 15 today. And we see here now, and we won't go into this much, that John's ministry has now run its course. The purpose for which God sent John has now been fulfilled. And what I want you to see is this: the good news of the kingdom of God. Look at verse 14, and we'll we'll read that verse first. And it says this. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. You get that? Now, Jesus is proclaiming the gospel of God. Isn't that interesting, right? Remember, in verse 1, Mark referred to the gospel or the good news of Jesus. And now here in verse 14, Jesus is proclaiming the good news of God. So that can be a little confusing, Or it could be, but I really don't think it is. And we'll see in a minute how the good news of God in verse 14 is connected to the good news of Jesus in verse 1. But in order to see how they connect, we actually need to understand, I think, what specifically the good news of God is that Jesus is proclaiming. And for that, we have to look again at verses 14 and 15. And again, let me recite this for you one more time. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. That's the good news right there. What Jesus is proclaiming In verse 15, that's the good news. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. You see, that fixed point in time, that God, who in and of himself chose a specific time for the kingdom of God to come, was now here. It was finally at hand. And the reason the kingdom of God was at hand is because the king of the kingdom was at hand. You see, that connects us back to verse 1. The king has come. The king is here. And where the king is, he sets up his kingdom, right? And so here he is. And that's what Mark is doing. He's going, look, right? The king is here. And Jesus saying, hey, the kingdom of God is here. What does he mean by that? Hey, the good news is the kingdom of God is here because I am here. I am the king of the kingdom of God. That's important for us to understand. You see, where the king is, there his kingdom is. And if... And then the following weeks, what we'll see in the next few verses, is that Jesus, as the king, who has all authority in heaven and on earth, calls his disciples and tells them, I will make you fishers of men. And what we see then is the king calling his people out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's what he's going to be doing now moving forward. But I want to pause for a moment and I want to ask the question. Why was the coming of the kingdom of God good news? Because that's what Jesus is saying. The good news is this. The kingdom of God is at hand. Why is that good news? The answer in its most simplest form is this, because of the king of the kingdom. You see, we're excited about the kingdom of God, but what we should be most excited about is the king of the kingdom. You see, just to use different language for a moment here, everybody wants to go to heaven. But not everybody wants to go because Jesus is there. But dare I say, what makes heaven wonderful is that Jesus is there, right? If Jesus were not in heaven, heaven would not be a wonderful place. And that's why the kingdom of God is good news that it has come because it means the king is here and it's all about him. You see, remember, Mark is telling the story of how Jesus came and how it was revealed to the Jewish people. He's writing this to the Roman people, right? But we need to understand this. We need to understand that for the Jews... When Jesus came proclaiming that the kingdom of God is at hand, this was good news because Israel's leaders who were to lead the people of God in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake had long departed the path of righteousness. And Israel's leaders had become consumed with the appearance of self-righteousness for the purpose of personal gain in one form or another. And the fallout of this is that the people of Israel, the people of God, were left without a shepherd resulting in a sheep scattered. and Therefore, they didn't know their God that's why the coming of the kingdom is good news, because the king is here. There's a lot more that can be said about this, but I want to keep the focus narrow this morning. That was why Jesus was good news for the Jews, For the audience that Mark is writing to in Rome, why would the coming of the kingdom of God or the coming of the king of the kingdom of God be good news for them? It's because they would know a king who was truly God. You'll remember the first three weeks we began to unpack that that one of their emperors... Augustus um, was known as the son of God because when his father died, the Roman Senate designated him to be a god. Therefore, Augustus became known as the son of God. And through that, emperor worship exploded all over the empire until years later, it became the absolute must religion of the Roman Empire. Right? And so they were, they didn't, Rome didn't care how many gods you worshipped, but it had to include emperor worship. But the thing is, he wasn't a true God. He had been designated that, but he wasn't that. But now... With Jesus, by the story that Mark had told of what happened when Jesus got baptized, how the heavens were torn open, the Spirit of God came down, God spoke from the heavens, and even the devil tried his hand at wrestling Jesus away from from his true identity, tried to get him to fall, and it didn't work, right? And so here he was, the true Son of God. That's why the kingdom of God is good news for the people in Rome because now they would know a king who was truly the Son of God. He would be a king who was truly righteous in all his ways, a king who would truly set his people free, free from the tyranny of oppression. But listen, folks, not just from the oppression of political leaders or tyrants or emperors, if you will, not just from unjust leaders, but from the tyranny of the enslavement to our own flesh and sin, and this king would set them free from the curse of the law, which is death as a result of their sins, this king was altogether different than anything they had ever known. He was holy, meaning altogether different, unique, and separate. And this king would be able to do far more than anything or anyone they'd ever known. And here now, Even these Roman citizens are invited into a kingdom where the king is truly a righteous, truly a righteous king who would save his people from their sins against a holy God. And he would do this by laying down his life for them so that they might live not just now but forever A king who truly, truly loves his people. A king who would secure eternal peace with God for them by becoming a peace offering for them. And this is why the coming of king jesus and his kingdom 2000 years ago is good news for you and me today oh i understand it is it is not hard to become discouraged when we see the corruption of the leaders in the kingdoms of the world of our day whether it's government overreach in our country or or what we see happening in Um, other countries with dictatorships and war being forced upon other countries. Uh, It doesn't matter. It's just so easy to become discouraged when we see everything that's happening. And here's the thing. People get discouraged because no matter what political party comes into power, it doesn't seem to change anything. Every politician comes on and makes promises after promises after promises. And yet what happens at the end of their term? What gets revealed is all the things that they promised that they didn't fulfill. And so it's easy even for us as Christians to get really discouraged. I get it. I'm one of you. I feel it as well. But This is why we don't put our hope in kings and horses. Right? Because we are not of this world. We are not of this kingdom. But here's the thing: in case or unless we are ready to cast the stone apart from the coming of King Jesus, who gave himself for us you and I would be found equally as guilty of unrighteousness and promise-breaking and sin and sentenced to the judgment of God under his wrath. But for Jesus, That's why the coming of the kingdom of God is such good news, because our hope is not in the kingdoms of this earth. Our hope is in the king, of the kingdom of God. We won't unpack all that means for us and what that looks like here now today, but that is a worthy, worthy topic to delve into and understand. But here's what I want to say. For those who have entered into the kingdom of God, we have so much hope and we have joyful longings and joyful, eager expectations because we know this is not the best. We know that this life we're living now is not our best life now. That's the truth, right? Thank God it's not our best life now, amen? Amen. Get excited about this, folks. We need to get excited about this. Look around, see what's happening. Yes, grieve with those who are grieving. Weep with those who weep. Feel the pain of sin and death and tyranny around us. Grieve over it, but be Filled with joy, knowing that this is not the end of all things, right? This is not what life will be like forever. It will come to an end because the kingdom of God has come. The king has come and he is calling his people. And the kingdom of God will come in his fullness. In time to come. For those who have entered into the kingdom of God. We have the joy of knowing. That the penalty of our own sin and unrighteousness. Has already been paid. We know that the law or God's judgment. Has been satisfied. Because of what the king of the kingdom has done for you. By laying down his life for you. We are told that because he did that, when we believed in him, that you and I were justified. Justified. Do we get that concept? Let that grip you. Let it sink in. Regardless of what happens in our own weaknesses and struggles and temptations that we face through Christ Jesus and in Christ Jesus, the penalty has been paid, been paid and we are justified. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the kingdom of God. And we will have a life to come where all we will know is the goodness of God. Where sin and death and tyranny and all that comes along with it will be gone forever. Get excited about the kingdom of God. Get excited about the King. He is the good news. But then the question is, how do we become citizens of the kingdom of God? And that's the second thing we want to look at this morning. In brief, we become citizens. Sorry, point number two. How to become citizens of the kingdom of God. Look at verse 15, where Jesus proclaims, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Oh, this is good news right here. You notice what it's not saying? It's not saying, try your hardest. Get your life in order. Get things straightened out. Clean up your act. He's coming, Right? Hide your sins. He's not saying any of that. Catch up on everything that you should have done that you haven't. Right? Double time on your good deeds. He doesn't do any of that. Here is his call. The the beckoning call that's going out. The clarion call. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent means to turn away from sin. Or the sins in which you find fulfillment or satisfaction instead of finding them in Jesus. Turn away from sin and turn towards God. You see, it's not just enough to turn away from certain sins, right? You need to be turning towards the King. Right? That's where we need to be. We need to turn towards Him. Repent. Turn away from whatever sins you find yourself finding satisfaction and fulfillment in. Turn towards the King of the Kingdom of God and find your fulfillment and satisfaction in Him. Turn from your unrighteousness and from your sinful indulgences in which you find fulfillment. And find your satisfaction, find your fulfillment in Jesus. That's the first side of the coin, coupled together with that, and you cannot separate these two, along with the command to repent comes the command to believe in the gospel, believe in the good news of God. And what is the good news of God that is referred to here in this passage? That the kingdom of God has come. The king is here. Jesus is the king, and he has come in his kingdom. And this is great news. You know why? Because all the kingdoms of this world will fall apart one day, if they haven't already. But the kingdom of God never will. World leaders will continue to fall. The king of the kingdom of God never will. Promises will be broken by the kings and the leaders of this world. All the promises of the king of the kingdom of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And when our eager expectations are placed in the kingdoms of this world, they will never be satisfied. Will only be met with disappointment and discouragement but when our eager expectations are placed upon the king of the kingdom of god our eager expectations will be fully met forever see all earthly kingdoms will come will come to cease in the way that we know them but the kingdom of god will remain forever folks listen The good news of the kingdom of God is that the king himself has come. And if you want to know the king, look at Jesus. He is the visible expression of the fullness of everything that God is. And he is righteous. And he is holy. And he is just. And he's love. He's compassionate. He's merciful. He's gracious. And he's forgiving. And he lays down his life for his people. He knows how broken we are. He knows how screwed up we are. And yet, and I shouldn't, let me change that. It's not and yet. That's why he laid down his life. Because apart from him, you and I would never have access to the kingdom of God. We have access to the kingdom of God because of the sacrifice of the king of the kingdom of God. And he's inviting you. He's inviting you to come in. Be a part of the kingdom of God. Repent and believe. He's calling you. He's not turning you away. Isn't that great news? Listen, when he died on the cross, he didn't say, "I, I I'm, I'm." it's a potential salvation. No, he knows he's calling you. Come and be saved. And you will enter into the kingdom of God and you will know the glory of God. You will know all the fullness of God and all his goodness forevermore. You will never come under the judgment of God. Because Jesus paid it all. Jesus took your place for the sins that you committed. He is a good king. He is the perfect king. He is a loving king. Will you call out to him today? He loved you perfectly. Will you come and receive his love? The King of the kingdom is what really gets us excited about the kingdom of God. Let's pray together, Lord, this morning. I just pray you, Lord, that we would feel the urgency of, of our need for Jesus. I pray, Lord, even as you're Christians, sometimes we have misplaced expectations misplaced hope and we put it in, in leaders and, and Lord it, it's, it's not necessarily wrong to do that but when they become our all in all Lord then we've committed idolatry and so Lord I just pray this morning Lord that we would behold the goodness of the king of the kingdom of God the one king who's like no other king truly righteous and who is love who laid down his life for his people so that they might live forever in the kingdom of God with him and Lord like I said at the beginning of the service I can't wait to get to heaven and just worship together with all the saints from throughout the ages As millions upon millions of people who have entered the kingdom of God will sing the praises of the king of the kingdom. Lord, show us the beauty of Jesus this morning. Show us the worth of Jesus. Would you open our eyes to behold him and see? Lord, we're weak and we're sinful and we're broken but we ask this morning Lord that by your Holy Spirit that we would be so consumed with the glory of Jesus Christ and the goodness of Jesus Christ but, so that we could do nothing else but come before him and bow in worshipful adoration of him Lord open our hearts Help us to see Jesus. Help us to know his love. Help us to know him in all his goodness.